This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, 6 a.m. on Friday, the 30th of September. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. Good morning, good morning. And as Jen Sun said yesterday, we made it. We, we did. made it. We hang, finally we here. hung on and we are here. The weekend has arrived. Time to turn off the 4 a.m. alarm. Yes, <laughs> time to turn off the 4 a.m. Alarm, alarm for the weekend. It is Friday. It's also the last day of September. So for those of you in hibernation for the month, it's time to wake up. I'm referring to the Green Day song, Wake Me Up When September Ends, just in case anyone was wondering. By golly, we are in the last quarter of the year. Indeed. It's official tomorrow, right? And it's going to be a, a pretty exciting week next week, I believe, because we do have the budget announcement on the 7th of October. October. Yeah, I think it starts usually around 4 p.m. Around 4 p.m. Yeah, I think about. The starts at about 4-ish p.m. So I wonder whether there'll be any goodies for the rakyat like us. Well, do tune in because throughout the week, we will be uh, building up to the budget announcement. There'll be programming uh, across the station, so uh, tune in then. But uh, if we look at today, we do have a lot of interesting conversations lined up, as always. <clears throat> Beginning at 7.15, we're going to help you decipher all the political noise that's going on in terms of seat allocation discussions and the latest on who's running where with political analyst Dr. O. E. San. And then at 7.30, what do we have, Jensen? At 7.30, we discuss the findings of a four-day-week pilot program in the UK with the organisers of the scheme themselves. So Mariam Salman, who is campaign officer uh, at a four-day-week campaign, will be joining us. I could, oh. get, I could get used to a four-day-week. Yeah, I hope our bosses listen. <laughs> Things not going to happen, right? <laughs> they can listen, but we'll see. One can dream. One can dream. One can hope. One can pray. And then at 7.45, we find out what the F&B sector hopes to see in Budget 2023 from Datuk Gary Chua, who is the advisor and past chairman of the F&B Malaysia Retail Chain Association. Uh, we'll find out whether they have really recovered from the pandemic because the many stages of opening and closing and labour shortages have really proved very difficult for them. We're going to have all this and more today on The Morning Run, so stay with us, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Steve Winwood with Valerie. You're listening to The Morning Run, 6.07am on Friday, the 30th of September. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen San. Now, how much does voice assistant technology feature in your daily life? I think over the past few years, we've seen an explosion in the use of voice assistants like uh, Apple Siri. You've got Google's Hey Google and Amazon's Alexa uh, doing both simple and complex tasks online. But I do see Xiaoning and Jensen both shaking their heads at me, which makes me think that you guys don't use voice assistants, do you? Nada. Nada from shouting. How about you, Jensen? I have tried, but uh, we kept it away because my kids were abusing it. <laughs> How were they abusing it, Jensen? Tell us. This is the interesting part. What did they do? There was too many uh, voices of, hey, Google. Hey, Google. Uh, they were asking like really silly and uh, random questions to Google, so we kept it away. <laughs> but were the answers hilarious? 
Um, yeah, in a way they were. <laughs> there is definitely a novelty factor in talking to Google or Siri and fi- and just listening to the kinds of things that the AI comes up with. Um, but it's also very good for um, accessibility. Like, for example, I recently discovered how to swipe through TikTok using voice commands, which I think is a big deal for those who maybe don't have use of their um, appendages. You know what I mean? Okay, so rewind. I don't use TikTok, but never mind. Continue, please. doesn't have to be TikTok. Actually. Yeah, it could it, be anything. It actually, yes, you're right. Even but an app, a website, something like that. It's it's inter- it's great. It's great to mm. experiment with. But 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 the reason we're talking about this is because of an article in the Guardian, uh, where experts have cautioned that the prevalence of voice assistance could have a long term impact on those who have been introduced to it from a very very young age. So uh, researchers have said that um, they are worried voice assistance could hinder children's social and cognitive development. So what do you think? Does engaging with robots turn children into robots? Okay, yeah. Jensen, you're the, you're the parent in the room. Tell us what you think. I think it really boils down to um, how often you use it and at what age you introduce it to the kid. But all I can say about this article is because the article claims that um, these devices have been used to actually prompt kids to do their homework, go to the bathroom, and as be, and it's being used as a conversation partner. But uh, in my humble opinion, nothing beats the incessant nagging and screaming of a parent. <laughs> Frustration. <laughs> yeah. It comes with various sound pitches, and it's not monotone as well. I do remember... And it uh, comes with threats and rewards. Yes. <laughs> You never know. Maybe AI technology will adopt, you know, parental voice. Con- I mean, the parents can record their own voices in the AI machine to have their voices actually speak to the kids through um, whatever speech app that they're using. I think one day that's a possibility, but you're right. I mean, technology can only go so far and replace parenting. It can never replace parenting, excuse me. It probably just helps children along the way. I'm not a parent, but when I look at this article, I think... I could use a bit of technology to manage a child, right? Because you want to have a bit of routine. So you treat the machine as a way of creating a timetable, some structure, because you can't always be there physically, right? A human being, unfortunately, we might forget. So the machine helps us to remind ourselves, to remind the child to do A, B, C, D. So I think it could complement, but it will never substitute. And it's it's not meant to substitute, Mm. right? Parents are still supposed to be the primary educator, the primary caregiver. Uh, A robot or an AI device can't can't replace that. And we did talk about uh, yesterday how not embracing technology and digital transformation it will be less desirable when you're older. It will be probably harder to pick up. So I think some form of exposure for kids to technology at a younger age, it's not really harmful. So it's really the age and everything in moderation. I think, I guess, because it's still new, right? And everyone's um, looking to see how this is going to impact our lives in the long run. I think it's wise for researchers to maybe start conducting studies now where they look at the impacts from now and then look at it again 10 years' time. I think only then we'll be able to have like a clear, concrete baseline of how this technology affects um, uh, children's cognitive development. But in the meantime, I think common sense should prevail. Yeah, I... Um... I don't think you're going to be able to hide your children from these gadgets in the first place, right? Uh, as much as, you know, you've hid them away, Jensen, now they're pretty young, but they'll soon, like, figure it out and want it themselves. Yeah. And 
it's even it's in our on the phone, phone, right? right? <laughs> so the minute the child gets the phone, and it's it's just a matter of time. Okay, I'm not maybe teenager, not so soon, but eventually they will figure out what's on the phone, and they'll be using AI anyway. And I think it's it's probably prevalent in adult lives more than we actually think. After all, we are also guilty of using these smart speakers. Well, I don't, but I know I notice a lot of people have them. So you can't have one set of rules for yourself and say that, oh, I get to use it, but you can't use it at all. You know, it, there, there has to be some, I suppose, some compromise in a household. But uh, in any case, tell us what you think. Do you think that uh, using voice assistant technology is helpful or harmful um, for children's development? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. It is 6.12 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. And when we come back, we'll discuss whether the four-day work week could work in education. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Steely Dan with Hey 19. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jensen. Uh, 6.19 a.m. on... 30th of September. That's right. <laughs> it's a Friday. Was Apologies. That a brain it, it was a little bit. It was. I was. Yeah. My the robot part of me just had a bit of a short circuit. Uh, 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 but you know, the weekend is here. We're looking forward to the weekend. In any case, let's take a look at the second story on our docket this morning. It's about the four day work week. If we had a four day work week, we'd be in the weekend already by now. But we're not. Um, and discussions on the four day work week have focused so far on traditional business environments, and we will be covering this later on in the show after the 7:30 a.m. news bulletin. We'll be talking to the organizers behind the pilot program in the UK on how this four-day workweek scheme is working out for those uh, uh, in the program. But what happens when your place of work is a school? And that is what an episode of The Journal, the daily podcast by The Wall Street Journal, looks at. And we're talking about it this morning. Interesting, right? Would you like a four-day school week? My kids would love this. I think there'll be such joy if they read this article. But I think um, in reality... An additional day uh, for my kids, it would really give them uh, some room to pursue an activity which mm. they like and are passionate about. It will give them some form of more balance in their school life. Um, as it is, they have an activity, an extra activity, every day of the week after school. They already I, do. Let yes. me guess, uh, Mrs. Jensen is a tiger mom. Oh, I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but sounds, um, let's be honest, lots of Asian parents do that to their children. Even my, my two sisters, right? They, their children have been imposed. Extra activities have been imposed on the kids, whether it's piano, swimming. It's pretty common, I think. It's yeah. nothing pretty unusual. Yeah. And there also is an issue of a daycare, unless there is an external provider which comes to the school and teaches other softer skills or sports. So that could be one of the uh, uh, solutions uh, for, for parents as well. So let's uh, look. Let's um, go, take a step back a bit and discuss why this four-day work week is actually is actually being implemented in schools mm. in the, Missouri, which is a state in the U.S. And what they're going through right now is an unpres- unprecedented teacher shortage. They don't have enough teachers to they're teach rural the kids. Town, right? They're in a rural town, and so the solution that they've come up with is okay. Let's offer a four-day work week. Maybe that would be more attractive to teachers um, who'd be willing. To then come to our towns and teach in our schools. Um, for me, I see some issues there. One of which is if my kids, if, if I was a parent and I worked five days, what am I going to do with a kid on that 
odd day that the kid is not at school. Then questions over daycare, right? I've got to find either a childminder, find a place to put the kid for the whole day. Uh, I also don't want the kid to spend that whole day doing absolutely nothing, right? So how do I ensure that one extra day where he's not at school is used productively, maybe to catch up with his homework, uh, maybe do an extracurricular activity, uh, enrich himself with some reading? I mean, what what do you do as a parent? So that those are my questions. Yeah, I think another thing to consider is why is there a teacher shortage? Mm-hmm. And I would think it would largely be, to, to a large extent, salary. Um, perhaps the industry doesn't pay so well. And if you bring this story closer to home, I looked at an article which says that MOE, which is the Education Ministry, uh, in June of last year, they were looking to hire close to 19,000 teachers through a special one-off recruitment drive. But up to April of this year, uh, apparently 14,000 have been hired. So I guess there is also an issue in terms of uh, uh, teachers in Malaysia wanting to pursue this profession. Um, I guess it's a profession which has its own set of problems. Some teachers are opting for early retirement as well. Probably the students are too much of a handful to deal with as well. I absolutely agree. It's a lot broader than... This story goes beyond just a four-day work week and whether that works or Mm. not. But it looks at the broader ecosystem of education and whether we're actually investing enough resources to ensure that uh, everything is balanced. Yeah, You have to think about teacher welfare. You have to think about student welfare. Yeah, And And the parents also in the the middle of it. Exactly. Family welfare as well. Mm. And the the issue with this four-day work week is it's uh, addressing this short-term problem uh, with potentially long-term consequences as well because even the um, schools themselves acknowledge that yes by losing a day um, academics could suffer because teachers have that less one day to teach their kids kids have less one day to learn Um, but if you don't have teachers you know what can you do it's it's a kind of a catch-22 there well um, I found this article uh, from Singapore Mothership and what was interesting is that uh, in one of the top schools in Singapore which is Raffle Institution uh, they actually have instituted a a four-day week for the academic day. Four, sorry, how should I put it? Four-day academic week mm. uh, since the beginning of 2021. But the kids still have a five-day week in the sense that one day, which is the gap day on Wednesday, they get to rest, exercise, catch up on their homework, do volunteer work, have consultations with teachers, participate in co-curricular activities, or even sign up for enrichment lessons organised by the school. So the school is functioning, teachers are available, and in fact, the A-level results were even better than in previous years. That sounds like such an interesting and innovative um, schedule. I, I quite like that idea, actually, that there's one dedicated day for co-curricular activities, for activities outside of the academic sphere. Mm. Um, I do think that does help uh, make kids more well-rounded. And the fact that it's the school organising means that it's not um, limited to those from privileged families. No, it means everybody, anybody who yeah. goes to the school can get those opportunities. And I think that's something really interesting. All right, it's 6.25 in the morning. We're heading into the 6.30 a.m. news bulletin. Uh, we're going to come back after that with a look at what's making global headlines. Here is Whatever by the Beths to take you to the news. BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, that's Deborah Harry with I Want That Man. You are listening to The Morning Run, 6.39 in the morning on Friday the 30th of September. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Ning. Now it's that time of morning where we take a look at what's making headlines from around the world. Jensen, why don't you start us off with what's caught your eye this morning? Okay, I have an article by Amazon. So apparently they are bumping up the average starting pay for warehouse and delivery workers to more than $19 an hour. So this is up from $18 an hour. And this is in preparation in entering the peak holiday shopping season. And apparently uh, in totality, Amazon will spend roughly about a billion dollars on the pay hikes over the next year as it also looks to attract and retain employees in a very, very tight uh, labour market. It's interesting how we have a news of, of uh, corporates uh, raising wages for some parts, but then other corporates are cutting uh, labour force on other parts. I think we're seeing, we're starting to see how divergence correct especially in these high interest rate environment right and mm. and everyone's wondering whether when the red hot employment uh, levels in the US will take a dip because of high interest rates I mean, when you look at the Fed, right, okay, they've got two things that they keep an eye on. One is inflation at 2%. And then the other thing that they look at is the full employment model. And I think what baffles economists is that inflation is ultra high, interest rates are going up, but yet the job market seems rather tight. But I think what's happening on the corporate scene is that corporates are getting nervous because they can see margin compression going happening and an economic recession looming, right? So for Amazon, I think they don't have a choice because like you say, it's peak uh, Christmas shopping season. There'll be a lot of deliveries. But I also see this article in Wall Street Journal saying by Meta, you know, which is the Facebook, um, saying that they are going to implement a hiring freeze and will take more steps to reduce company costs and budgets are going to be very tight for the next few years. So there is that that divergence, I guess they'll be looking at which segments of the business still need um, need workers and which segments don't. And if I'm the boss, right, I can control my costs, but I really cannot control my revenue. So what do I do? I just cut people where I don't think I need to. I, I saw an article on social media. It's not confirmed, but um, apparently Kasem, which has recently become a unicorn, apparently they are looking to cut about 30% of their workforce. So wow. it's unconfirmed, but... It appeared on social media. Mm. So if it happens, it's really the sign of the times. <laughs> Didn't C also cut a lot of people? Yes, Shopee, right? I was thinking about that as well. So we are seeing, especially for these tech startups or big tech unicorns that create the huge splash just a year ago, they're starting to feel the pinch. And then some closed down. Isn't Happy Fresh one of them? Correct, yes. And Fashion Valley mm-hmm. also closed mm-hmm. down. So we are begin- beginning to see this uh, affect markets, right? Uh, talking about recession, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer and continue the story. So the Singapore Straits Times has reported uh, actually more what's happening uh, among the chief economists at the World Economic Forum. So th- three quarters of them in this 50 economists in the community believe a global recession is at least somewhat likely reiterating sentiments actually expressed by the World Bank last week. So growth in Europe is expected to be weak and moderate growth is expected in the US, the Middle East, North Asia, South Asia and Latin America. And what's interesting is they do expect an improvement in the Chinese economy though in 2023. 
Okay, so the Chinese economy is under pressure at the moment. Whether they will see brighter days ahead in next year is something everyone's watching. Uh, speaking of economies, I'd like to look over to the UK, uh, where Britain's Prime Minister Liz Truss said she would not roll back her government's mini-budget that has roiled markets and was prepared to take controversial steps to boost growth. So I do think that these are her first public comments ever since um, her Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng unveiled of the very controversial economic plans uh, last week that caused markets to uh, really, really uh, show their displeasure with the pound sterling also mm. falling to record lows against the greenback. Um, yeah. But guess what? This morning, pound against the ringgit, 5.1810. Ah, so it's going, it's uh, strengthening. Yeah, it is strengthening. But uh, I see Bloomberg articles asking how long is this going to last? Is it just a one-day pop? In Possibly, possibly, possibly indeed. We'll be keeping Until an the eye. Until the BOE stops their buying program, right? Then it will stop. <laughs> Maybe the, their loves for guilts might just suddenly end, right? And then we'll see the pound come crashing down again. I mean, you got these very funny headlines saying, in, tr- in list trust, we do not trust. You know, things like that. Indeed, all the all the wordplay there. Uh, just very briefly, um, Hurricane Ian is causing substantial damage over in Florida in the U.S. Uh, President Joe Biden has declared it a major disaster, unleashing federal aid for several counties. So far, uh, Hurricane Ian has left more than 2 million people in Florida without power. Uh, we're coming up to 6.45 in the morning, heading into some messages. And when we come back, we'll take a look at what's making the local headlines. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was The National with the system only dreams in total darkness. You're listening to The Morning Run on BFM 89.9, 6.49 in the morning. On Friday, the 30th of September, I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen San. We do have a, a quick message here from Stephen Chelia, who is weighing in on the discussion that we had earlier on the four-day work week for education. Um, Stephen says that uh, five-day work week is a must. This four-day work week is just a Western fad, and he believes that it could be dysfunctional in the long run. Uh, all right, uh, that is uh, thanks, Stephen, for weighing in on this. We are turning our attention now to local headlines. Uh, Jensen, why don't you st- uh, kick us off on what what's in store? What all right, uh, something on the tobacco industry. So, the Conf- Confederation of Malaysia Tobacco Manufacturers has described that the move to retable the Tobacco and Smoking Control Bill in the upcoming Parliament session, which starts on Monday. October 3rd as an undue rush. So this bill, uh, it bans anyone born from January 1st, 2007 from smoking and vaping. So it looks like challenging times for the tobacco industry. And uh, the tobacco sector is one of the sectors which are actually excluded from the Brusa FTSE for Good Index as well. And rightly so. (laughs) It is rightly so, right? Uh, But, you know, next week, Parliament starts again. So what will be interesting to see is um, whether there will be any hint as to whether it will be dissolved because the budget will be tabled on October 7th. But just some of the uh, legislative things that are happening next week. We've got the Supply Budget Bill 2023, Political Funding Bill, and what Jensen just mentioned, Control of Tobacco Product and Smoking Bill. There's a Trade Union Amendments Bill and even the Renewable Energy Bill. So lots of things on the docket when Parliament convenes. This is according to the HCO uh, morning brief. Uh, so busy time. It's going to be an exciting week ahead for sure. Uh, in other news, I would like to draw your attention to this report from Reuters regarding um, the Sulu Airs. Remember them? They caused quite the splash earlier this year when they uh, 
got an arbitration ruling um, saying that uh, the government of Malaysia had to pay them 15 billion US dollars um, because of an agreement that wasn't uh, abided by. Well, they have um, petitioned a Dutch court uh, for permission to seize Malaysian assets in the Netherlands. Um, and yeah, we're starting to see this was something that was uh, speculated when we first heard the arbitration decision that they would uh, bring this decision to different jurisdictions around the world asking for um, Malaysian assets. Uh, so far, I don't know if the government, I don't know what action the government has uh, taken. They did say that they disputed this arbitration ruling and that they would uh, contest it. Mm. Uh, I do think that uh, we're due for an update in terms of what the progress is on that contestation. Yeah, we'll be following this very closely. Um, I'm also continuing my my look at the CEO morning brief. Uh, and what's interesting is the investigation on MACC has completed its investigation paper on Judge Muhammad Nazlan. Um, it's been done. Uh, whether we'll ever find out the outcome, I don't know. Whether any proceedings will happen post this, who knows. Uh, but what's interesting is that the MACC at the same time has busted a cartel at the Shah Alam City Council, MBSA, and that is believed to have been monopolising project tenders in the local authorities. So they had a raid and actually they have, uh, the word is, nine individuals, including several MBSA staff and a senior officer, have been involved in this investigation. Nine people were arrested and MACC is still investigating. All right, that's something to also keep an eye on. Can I just uh, draw your attention to another headline that I saw in Malaysia Kini uh, regarding the Bukit Lagong Forest Reserve? Now, yesterday we did speak to forestry researcher Lim Tech Win on this story. Uh, the fact that the state government is giving approval for 27 new quarries in the forest reserve. So we have the Selangor State Executive Councillor in charge of tourism, the environment, green technology, and Orang Asli Affairs, Hiloy Sian, issuing a statement saying that uh, 28% of the Bukit Lagong Forest Reserve is set to be queried without the land being excised from the reserve. So it's still a forest reserve. It's not degazetted. Um, but he said that uh, it, the approvals were issued in the form of minor li licenses according to Section 28 of the National Forestry Act. But didn't our guest say that in order to do querying, you do need to remove some of the forest cover? Yes. So it's within the law for them to do this, but there will definitely be consequences in terms of our uh, environmental, uh, the degradation of the forest. So uh, again, lots of questions being raised on on how and why this approval is going through. Uh, 6.54 in the morning, we're heading into the 7 a.m. News Bulletin. And when we come back, we will take a look at global markets and how they closed overnight. Taking you to the news is the Human League with Don't You Want Me, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.